Hello everyone, and thanks for listening. Hello everyone, and welcome to the first tale from Taraxis. This is a background story from Leaf. Please enjoy. North of Solaria lies a forest in the southern reaches of Celestia. Within this forest, the Le Ishal Enclave finds its home. A group of elves that do not trust or believe in the sanctity of races other than their own. They live in tune with nature, but apart from other civilized people. Here lives Leaf Goldthrush, son of Heldael, the quartermaster of the Enclave. He's going about his day as usual when there is a sudden disturbance near the edge of the Enclave. Uh, what kind of disturbance? Uh, some shouting. Uh, while it's not entirely clear from the distance that you're at, uh, this is usually followed by either travelers or, uh, on occasion, uh, fey of less than friendly intent. I see, uh... Just, just for clarity's sake, at this particular juncture, uh, would I have Box as my ever-present companion, or is yes. is that not okay? Cool. So, uh, I, I, Leaf kind of like stands up from, uh, I guess, some of the crops he was tending or uh, whatever crafting work that he's got uh, working on at home. Uh, he he kind of bolts upright and uh, hoping to see at the commotion, grabs box by the wrist and starts carting him off towards the commotion. As you walk through and other people begin to pay equal attention to the shouts, uh, they die down a degree as people begin to spread the word that outsiders are heading toward the Enclave. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll keep trying to close in uh, see if I might be able to find like a path or some uh, spaces between buildings, uh, break away from the crowd, and, and get to the the sudden uh, disturbance more quickly. Uh, might even like boost myself over a fence uh, by climbing up box. All right, you would guess that the disturbance itself is probably still at least a few minutes away, as it is almost certainly scouts that have brought back this news, and unless these people are running as well, uh, they are like to be traveling at a more normal pace. Was was there a bearing? Uh, it was slightly uh, southeast. Then uh, he's uh, heading over. All right. So you follow that direction. Uh, one of the one of the other many elves of the Enclave walks up to you and is like, Have you heard there are strangers coming. I've, I saw the commotion from the scouts. Uh, are they strange? Are they ugly? I don't know. I'm just spreading the word like everybody else was told to. But keep an eye out and keep your guard up. Have they uh, it entered the, the enclave yet? Are they at our borders? They're in the woods. I think I heard them say as much. But I don't think they're quite to our uh, gates yet. It just kind of smiles and nods. Uh at the excitement and uh, goes trotting off in the direction of the danger. So you head away from this elf who turns in another direction to head off and is just like, 
hey you have you heard uh and generally being that guy but you head towards the gates of the enclave to an outsider they would not appear as such but you would know that the thick roots and vines that carry this artificial yet simultaneously natural border around the enclave were made by the green tenders and it is these gates that keep the outsiders out most of the time however there are those that have the ability to open them even without the permission of the green tender so that is one thing that many people in the enclave fear i take it uh that the gates are still sealed though they are closed though as as highly as uh these people think of outsiders they do suspect that they are smart enough to be able to climb a wall i see uh, should should they be seeking the secrets and treasures of the enclave then uh i shouldn't give them the chance more more scouting's needed uh, I, I need to know more about these potential intruders so uh i'll make my way to the wall first and uh seek to to gain sight of these things before they can hit our gates all right um as uh as one of the members of the enclave you would know how to open and close the uh the gates both in a larger and smaller fashion uh allowing for uh anything from a single person to a, to like carts and and groups out uh, so if you wanted to, you can actually go through the gates to seek them instead of climbing the wall. Given that he's currently shirking uh, whatever work he was doing at home, uh, opening and closing the gates is more likely to get him spotted. Uh, and so his, his goal here is for the, the subtle uh, escape. So if, if there's like a, a good opportunity to, to hop the wall or, you know, maybe something blocking the view of the gate so he can slip out, then then he'd do that over just brazenly approaching and strolling out. Alright. So, I think due to the guards uh, gathering uh, in readiness for what is to come, you would find it more pertinent to hop the wall uh, given that circumstance. And with Box's help, it's a pretty easy thing to do and the the walls are not enormous unlike uh unlike the walls of civilized towns and cities there are no uh parapets or battlements they they're only about eight feet tall and there to keep things out well, get moving you frond if these things have fangs or teeth i, I need you at my side Box, and he pulls himself up and rolls over, thudding loudly to the ground with his snapping of branches. Feet. Yeah, and he'll stand up and and follow behind you. Box, yeah, just just cart him off by the arm, and uh, 
like I'm assuming there's like a main road or a path or some thoroughfare that they use for uh, like the ingress of carts and wagons and uh, mounted travelers. So he's basically just going to be skirting wide around that. So he, he wants to see the people approaching. He doesn't want to, them to see him. All right. Obviously, you're familiar. Put, oh, I was going to say, obviously, he never put uh, much in the way of ranks in uh, hide or stealth. So that might be a tougher ask than normal, but it's there. You're familiar uh, with these areas. And though the road to an outsider would be nigh invisible due to how lesser traveled it is, you're aware of its path. And assuming that these folk are following it as well, go ahead and give me a dex check for stealth. That's a 10. All right. So you creep along the uh, edges of the path, keeping behind trees in the large bushes and whatnot. When you notice something uh, strange, a an animal you've never seen dragging a large box made of hewn wood, uh, something you're mostly unfamiliar with at this point. Uh, ha given that the green tenders have a tendency to grow wood into the shapes that they need uh this it, it it's actually perhaps at this point seems a little barbaric to you it's exactly the terms that i was going to use uh but this uh strange animal what looks like a goat without horns and much larger and narrower and with a somewhat different head is pulling this box forward uh a woman with green skin and protruded uh bottom fangs from her bottom jaw walks alongside the cart a tiny man with absurdly bright colored hair the color of leaves and the sky uh, sits behind the beast using strips of leather to beckon it to and fro. <clears throat> you can see another figure just slightly beyond the cart as well, though you cannot make them out well. And you hear a voice call out in your direction. Hey, you there behind the tree. I can see you. So, uh, Feeling the gig is up, uh, he immediately uh, attempts to ignore that he's been revealed and uh, ducks behind the nearest tree, uh, taking a second before realizing that he has to drag box down behind cover as well. You and your uh, branchy friend there, uh, you're not very good at hiding, are you? If you duck behind a tree, you know, we can see both sides of the tree. If... If you left it, we would know, and since you haven't, we know you're there. Why don't you come out from there? We mean you no harm. Just kind of, like, leans off from the other side of the, the tree he's ducked behind, 
and uh, says, "What savagery have you brought to our lands with your uh, split trees and horrid goat beast?" Goat, <laughs> goat beast. Uh, <laughs> he looks around in genuine confusion. Uh, I, I don't know anything about any goat beast, but, uh, if you're talking about our cart, this is wood. I mean, how, how else do you build things with it? Our people don't need to murder a tree, uh, to gain use of its, uh, strength. Well, your people are lucky then. Not everybody's got that power. How about this? You come out from there. I'll come down from here. Uh, and he begins hopping down a set of little, like, stairs uh, at the side of the coach. And he will uh, begin kind of pushing into the brush, which is almost as tall as him, causing his brightly colored hair to kind of poke above and and comically almost like a shark fin in water begin weaving its way between leaves and and vines toward you so uh he 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 realizing that he's he's somehow made it all the way out here without a plan or a weapon or uh you know any any kind of means of self defense uh he instead uh attempts to use bravado as his uh, sword and shield here. So he uh, stands up tall, uh, corrects his companion's posture to, to sort of match him, and then uh, begins marching out with his, his chest puffed out. He says, I'll, I'll approach, but keep your fank beasts back. Uh, you would probably notice that uh, the, uh, the woman with the green skin... Uh, kind of uh her her face contorts in one of annoyance uh if not disgust now now that's no way to talk to anybody that's very rude her name is rackle well rackle uh you've intruded on our lands uh how dare you attempt to claim any kind of uh proper name well what's your name uh, Mr. Rude? Uh, uh, I am Leaf of, uh, House Goldthrush. This is my, uh, my companion, Box. <laughs> well, I think he's a bit the wrong shape. <laughs> Just, he, <laughs> like, 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 looks at Box for a second. He says, don't, don't listen to them. And then says, uh, th it's symbolism. You wouldn't understand. Uh, I can understand symbolism. Thank you. Uh, anyway, Leaf, was it? Leaf of House Goldthrush. So yeah, Leaf. Uh, my name... <laughs> I'm sorry, fucking gnomes. Uh, my name is Dimble Fimblethop. Just kind of like, again, trying to, to puff up... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Dimble of House Fimblethop. Oh, that changes everything. <laughs> uh, 
So uh, again, like trying to puff up for his bravado, he just kind of clutches a, a fist to his chest and, and kind of like a salute of his people. And uh, he says, what brings you to our lands, uh, Fimblethop? Huh? Oh, well, I guess we are kind of heading through woods and that they happen to be your woods. Uh, we're just passing through, really. Uh, somewhere on the other side of this woodland, there's an old ruin. Uh, inside that ruin are some monsters, and with those monsters, some children. We're on our way to retrieve the children, hopefully alive, but, well, I don't know whether you know monsters or not. Would uh, Leaf know anything about these ruins? Um, go ahead and just give me a d20 roll. Got it, boss. That's a 12. Uh, you would remember hearing, uh, or rather being told, uh, throughout your younger years that there are old human wastes to the north, uh, and to not, um... To not go there as they're cursed and uh, besmirched by the humans and their ways. Interesting. So, uh, I, I mean, it, it's safe to assume that it's pretty firmly in human lands. And so, like, the, the children and stuff would be human. They're, we don't have any, like, kids missing from the Enclave. From what you understand, humans don't live there anymore. It's, while while not like a desert or anything like that it is considered a wasteland it is rife with monsters and is a very dangerous place so okay so uh kind of like circling around while they're they're talking he's kind of like edging his way towards the wagon to like get a peek at whatever it is that they've got on this contraption and uh you know, basically just trying to take stock of whatever it is that they're hauling. And I'm, I'm assuming that uh, both Dugal and uh, Raquel are, are both armed. Uh, they are. Um, you would also notice circling around to try and get a peek in the back that there are a couple of other figures holding up the like back end of this and just kind of uh, one of them sitting down uh in the back and the other one's standing uh one of them uh being a human man the other a halfling female uh who is the one sitting i see okay and uh so he, he just kind of like peeks and then leans back over uh to make sure he's, he's got clear sight of uh dimple and he says uh gosh he says children you mean to take them as slaves? Savagery. No. You're weird. No, we're we're going to rescue them from the monsters. They were kidnapped from at one of the northern uh, wards of Solaria. The, these creatures, these these monsters, hauled them that far. Yeah best we've got on the knowledge is they're likely some sort of undead and sometimes undead they have tastes terrible terrible tastes he, like the gears in his head were, were grinding and and 
so some of this stuff has started to hit like the does not compute stage. He's undead uh, in the region. That that shouldn't be possible. Our, our patrols go out so far. You say these these creatures are and whatever the the bearing is north of here. Uh, oh yes. I suppose sending sending this uh, this group of, of armed men is, is better than uh, risking our soldiers at it. Uh, I I might be able to point you in the direction of these ruins. Oh, that would be a great help. Because uh, how far outside of the the enclave are we? Uh, probably a quarter mile. Maybe a half mile. So, stay in this exact spot, and I'll, I'll return uh, in a few hours. I, I've, uh, or I guess what, whatever the time would be, like an hour, uh, with your information. Uh, All right. I, I think we can spare an hour. But time is of the essence if you, I, I don't mean to impose, but if you could hurry. Just with with all seriousness, he he just kind of uh, starts bolting back to town as as fast as Box can keep up, and uh, says the, the the plan for him running in here is he's he's gonna try and uh, I, I guess find uh, his father and see if he can glean some information about these ruins. Say that he I, I have a plan to uh, drive off these these strangers. Uh, but I, I, I need information about these ruins to the north. Sorry if I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm, I... No, 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 you're fine. Uh, I, I was just rolling to see uh, how intuitive your father was in this moment. But you don't need to worry about the outsiders, son. They're headed straight for the Enclave. We, we can't have them uh, trying to breach our walls, so if I'm able to drive them off with... Uh, information to, to send them to fight these creatures uh, it's better than spilling elven blood isn't it father what creatures what are you they, talking they, about they, they spoke of undead they uh, spoke who did you go and speak to the outsiders I, I was I was scouting uh, reconnaissance you're not a scout you are a green tender, like your mother. Well, we we've been learning how to navigate the the brush and uh, the the trails uh, out there in the woods. Uh, they wouldn't have been able to track me. <sighs> and what if they had tried to capture you? You spoke with them. You were at a disadvantage. They knew where you were. I had Box. He he could have taken any of them single-handedly. And how many were there? There there were three escorting their contraption. Uh, and th there were at least three others in the back. Two others in the back. Two others in the back, sorry. <laughs> I will go and speak with the scouts. You ought to go back home 
and think about all the terrible things they could have done to you because box or no, five outsiders could have taken you. They could have made you their slave. They could have made you their meat. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Go back home. And he, he'll leave what he was doing and begin heading towards the gate. Uh, so, he's kind of got delusions of grandeur in his head right now. Despite the uh, rough scolding, rather than going straight home, I'll, I'll see if maybe I can uh, seek out, like, uh, I guess the equivalent would be like a classmate or, or maybe one of the other green tenders uh, in the Enclave. And uh, he's basically trying to glean information, any news or knowledge about these these ruins that might be able to allow him to, to point this group in the correct direction. All right. See, he wants to kind of recover from this and be able to march back and say, you know, look, I know it was a no-no, but the, the intruders have been driven away. In your search, the first person you find that kind of fits the bill is... A man a little bit older than yourself, uh, by the name of Leno. Uh, he's been a green tender for about 60 years. Hey there, old wood. Uh, Greenleaf, how's it going? Uh, well, so far, uh, have have you heard the rumors of uh, strangers just outside the gates? I don't suppose there'll be much of an issue. Either they'll go on their way, or they will fall. Uh, and he's, he's trying to figure out a way to word it, and he finally spits out, and he says, um, I, I heard rumor that uh, they're hunting for some undead uh, in ruins uh, north of here. Have, have you heard of such things? I've heard of undead, but I don't know of any near here. I know of some ruins. Uh, something uh, about the wastes? Oh, yes. There's an old human village. Uh, trying to think. It's been many years since I've left the forest at all. Uh, back in my Somewhat younger days, much like you. Uh, I think it's about due north. Uh, probably about a day and a half's uh, jaunt through the woods from here. I see. Old stone buildings and cut wood. It's sickening. They rot and fall because the wood is dead. You uh, Could it be these... These awful creatures uh, that are being whispered about I could be behind that, that, that rot. No, dead things rot. But undead are unnatural, and they may be drawn to such things. That's terrifying to think that it could be so close. It is. If, uh, if you think it's true, I'd suggest talking to the Master of the Huntsmen about it. Well, if it's been there for so long, uh, perhaps it's it's not a threat. Uh, no sense sending in good warriors to into danger like that. 
monsters move around. Undead are no exception. We might be safe for some time, and they might even wander off somewhere else. But it's at least worth keeping an eye out for. It's, uh, it's much to think about. Uh, I think I should go meditate on this information. And uh, with with more energy than should have been necessary, given the, the conversation topic, uh, he begins to escape from the conversation. Uh, it, all right. You seem to wish to think about this swiftly. Uh, good day, Greenleaf. <laughs> good day, Oldwood. And he goes and he trots off. And uh, this time, it's it's a fully stealth mission. He's, he's trying to go uh, to some spot on the wall where he can escape because now his, his dad knows that he got uh, out of the city at some point and he definitely doesn't want uh, any of his other relatives to, to spot him and, and potentially ruin this. Alright, go ahead and give me that that base stealth. That's a nine. Your dexterity is plus three, though. Why do you have only plus two? Uh, it's probably including armor, maybe? Oh, yeah. Would you be wearing armor at this point? I don't think so. It's definitely okay. not, like, hanging out at home as a teenager. Alright. Um, yeah, you have a, a one. Okay, so that would be a ten, then. So, by some measure of luck, your incredibly average attempt at sneaking uh, goes unnoticed. Uh, in fact, your attention is probably drawn towards the uh, towards the front gate or the primary gate, uh, where your father's voice uh, can be heard. Uh, while loud, you've chosen to be at a distance at which. Uh, it is not clear. Uh, I guess curiosity peaked. Uh, I'll see if I can get into a distance that allows it to be legible. All right. So uh, go ahead and give me a... Uh, let's see, what do you get? Perception um, minus two to equate. Sure. Uh, so that's an 18. So you get a little bit closer and and stay behind some behind an anchor tree for the wall and just listen. Listen, I don't care if they've stopped moving. It's the perfect opportunity to go out there and finish them. My son was almost captured. Do you understand? As far as I'm concerned, they need to be dealt with. They need to be gone. For good. Yes, Quartermaster, I can do that. We'll get together in a few minutes and we'll go ambush them. Good. Now I've got to go back home and discipline that fool of a son of mine. And he will walk away. Then, uh, like a leaf on the wind, uh, Mr. Goldthrush is making his way uh, over the wall in as much secrecy as he can muster uh, and sprinting uh, to his destination. Alright. 
when you arrive, uh, they are where uh, you left them. Uh, uh, one of the the figure whom you could not clearly make out before uh, now sits at the head of the horse. Uh, not that you know what it is, but uh, now sits in in the pilot's chair of this cart. Uh, whereas Dimble, uh, he, he's standing, uh, beside it. Oh, uh, welcome back! Okay, I, I have, uh, I have your directions, but we need to go quickly. Uh, you've spent too much time in the area, and, uh, you're going to force a reprisal if you linger any longer. Oh, I didn't realize we'd done anything wrong. Trespassing is a serious offense. So, uh, the policy of the Enclave. Apparently. Maybe you guys should put up some signs. All right, Dugal, uh, follow the elf man. Uh, everybody else, keep an eye out. It's just just kind of like... Uh, shoots a look back at, at Dugal, and uh, he says, keep your distance, and uh, starts, like, leading off into the woods. Uh, go ahead and make me that another perception minus two. That's perform. There we go. Okay. Ooh, that's super high. That's a 25. All right. You would hear him mutter under his breath, fucking brainwashed knife here. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna assume that, that given the relatively sheltered upbringing that he's got, he's probably not even familiar with any elven racial slurs. That's fair. And, uh, so he's he's just kind of shrug that off, uh, and I, I guess try and, and find them an adequate path that they can navigate in the direction uh, based off of the limited information that he's got. All right. So you make your heading and effectively just try to guide them through areas of underbrush that the horse and the cart can handle. You would know that most likely, given what's the, what the huntsman said. It wouldn't be but a few minutes before they were on your tail. But if you could keep, if you can keep them moving fast enough, uh, you might still be able to outrun them. And the huntsman won't go beyond the woods. You know that much. Then uh, I suppose that's what I do. And uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll uh, start trying to, to interrogate uh, the, the people, I guess, towards the front of the caravan. Uh, I, I don't want to say like shouting, but uh, probably above regular speaking volume, talking to them and say, uh, "So, how how does a group of armed men uh, find their way rescuing children this far north?" Well, we're mercenaries. We get hired to do such things. Work for pay, if you will. Who has enough funds to pay for such a thing? Um, plenty of people. Uh, in this case, the parents of the children who were kidnapped. You just travel around looking for monsters rabble-rousing? I mean, no. We do a lot of different kinds of work. Uh, we do construction. Basically, whatever pays. Of course, as long as it's not opposed to what we believe in. Just He's, he's probably got, like 
second guessing what I said earlier about him having like zero in the way of weapons on him. He's probably got like a fletching knife or something. And he just just kind of like pats one of his, his little carpentry tools and he says, <laughs> what do you know about construction? Uh, well, admittedly, I'm no architect, but I mean, I can put things together. You got stone, wood, thatch, hay, whatever needs to be built. You got the materials, and it can be put together. And and you do this uh, building after you return kidnapped children? I mean, we happen to be uh, searching for children right now, but it's not part of a routine. We look for work. We take pay. We do the work. The work can be all sorts of things. Anything from rescuing kidnapped children to building houses to clearing out rats out of sewers to going around and delivering things you name it that's uh very unspecialized of you uh and this is how you've lived your life i mean off and on i've been around a while He's, he's like like dumbfounded given that his whole world revolves around this this tiny little settlement it's just, but you reap what you sow how are you supposed to uh, collect your harvest if you're traveling around with nothing to speak of to your name I mean we have things you're but, uh, you're talking about reaping what you sow if you're not an ass if you do the right things you still reap what you sow. Good begets good. Bad begets bad. The harvest is uh, not exactly going to uproot itself and chase after you as you ride away on your horse contraption. <laughs> oh, you were being literal. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I was being metaphorical. Uh, not everybody harvests. Uh, there are other ways to make a living. Uh, we're not farmers. Yes, con- construction, construction, and just kind of like looks back at the the orcs and their weapons and uh, hunting monsters. We've we've yes, hunting monsters. We've hunters in our enclave that specialize in in hunting. They hunt everything. We've craftsmen in our enclave that specialize in crafting. They can craft anything. Can they craft one of these? And he pulls out a a book. And I, I mean, I, I guess kind of enamored at, I guess, what is it a fancy book? Or is it just like ye old dictionary? Uh, it, it's pretty well bound. Uh, it, it's got metal, uh, like metal capped corners, uh, a finely scrawled title. Uh, in a language I'm not sure you understand at this point. Yeah, you don't have gnomish. Okay. Uh, <laughs> in a language you don't understand. Uh, with thin, thin sheets of paper within a bound clasp. It It's not something your people would make. Much like the cart. But I, I, mean, I mean, I'm assuming we've got... I'm assuming we've got some, like, equivalent as far as, like, scribing and stuff goes. Uh, yeah. Uh, your people don't, like, 
they, they have a very every part of the buffalo sort of thing, so they have vellum. I see. Uh, but they tend to write on scrolls. Just, I, 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 I'm assuming, I, I, would would he be too sheltered or like a part of this culture to be able to make the connection that like paper is, is trees, like wood pulp? I mean, that, that, that does seem a little on the unreasonable side because I, I wouldn't be able to like look at a piece of paper just casually and be like, oh, hey, that's that's tree. So I'm going to assume that he does not make the connection. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know that he he was aware of paper. It's just like grabs it by the cover and kind of like dangles it so that the the pages flip open, and um, I'm looking at all the symbols. Uh, it... it if you know how to read uh, the language you speak to us, uh, flip about there, and he points at a section of the book, and there should be something you can read. Just the the gall. Of course, I know how to read, and he's like flipping through. <laughs> Hey, don't, don't, don't jump all over me. You don't seem to know much about the outside world. It's a realm of, of savages and creatures. And there are monsters out here, but there's also society, people. Not everyone's a savage. Honestly, if your people were just going to come kill us for being around, they're kind of more the savages. Considering how well armed the group is, you shouldn't be surprised. He's like continuing to like flip through and like slap pages out of the way. Well, what are we supposed to do? Go hunt undead without any weapons? You you say this world is uh, full of good people. That not everyone's a savage, uh, and you still carry a sword. Well, not everyone's good. Not everyone's bad. That's the way the world is. People are people. But out, outside of a community like like my enclave, how would you even tell if uh, someone's good or bad? How do you live with the risk that anyone could pull a knife on you? There is that risk. Or, uh, pierce you with their, their fangs. Uh, the cart would stop. <clears throat> Alright, that's a fucking enough. Uh, Dugal will jump down from uh, jump down from the uh, from the cart and, and approach you. Uh, you would note that uh, his axe is left at the uh, at the seat. He did not bring it with him, but he is approaching you angrily. Take a take a breath and puff out my chest. Um, let me see here. All right, so that is well and above uh, your DC, I think, even at your current level, let alone level one. Uh, he he walks up, and you didn't really realize quite how big this fucker was until he he was a few feet from you. Your that 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 puffing in your chest deflates, and you feel yeah, your does. heart sink. Uh, as, as fear is struck into your heart from the glare and the presence of this man, uh, who, much alike the female you saw er earlier, has a pair of small tusks. He grabs you by the front of, uh, of your robes. Robes? Yes, robes. Yeah, I mean, it's like probably less like flowy wizard robes and more just like loose casual wear for a green tender but yeah robes 
he would grab you by the front of your robes and, and jerk you forward. You fucking knocked that off, right? We get to know about it every day of our lives. We don't need some stinking nobody don't know nothing about no one telling us that we're monsters with fucking fangs, all right? And he kind of tosses you forward. Not not like off your feet or anything, just kind of staggering. Right, like a like a chuff. He's just putting me in my place. Yeah. Uh, now, now, Degal, um, he is keeping us out from an ambush, hopefully. Bastard needs some sense in his head. That's all I'm saying. And he goes back to the car. Let's go. Just mutter something about oh, finally showing your true colors, and this way it wounds his own pride. Uh, he he doesn't seem to notice. Uh, his jaw is clenched, and and he looks still quite fuming. You continue on the way until uh, the edge of uh, the edge of your day starts to take its toll on your wakefulness. So I, I take it we're still not out of the woods, though. No, it's like a day and a half out of the woods. But I, I, I'm assuming he's he's pretty familiar with, you know, like the patterns for the scouts and their general like strategy for tracking intruders and targets and whatnot. In theory, yes. So, given his general knowledge of that, would he believe it's safe to break camp? Or is it something like, oh no, if, if, if we stop here, we're going to catch some arrows while we're sleeping? Normally, you would say it's safe that you're far away enough from the Enclave that they would give up. They, they would not come this far with people who are obviously going away. However, by this time, your father is likely to have learned you're missing, and so are these people. Okay, so... Uh... So you may have a head start, uh, but it may not be safe. Yeah, so um, if, uh, if you wish to continue avoiding this ambush, we're going to need to push through and get some more distance from the Enclave. They're not going to be happy about my absence. Oh, I thought you were just going to gather information. Uh, are you, you breaking rules? There's distrust of outsiders in the community. Uh, well, obviously. Rather, <laughs> rather than have our uh, scouts clash with you, and he just throws a glare towards uh, Dugal again, and uh, he says, rather than have our, our scouts clash with your companions, uh, I would much rather have you out of our territory uh, and out of our hair. But uh, I don't imagine they see the same sense in this that I do. Oh, and we'll keep going. Uh, Raquel, Degal, you've been running all day. Swap out with the other two. Uh, <clears throat> I can do without sleep. I'm used to sleepless nights. Uh, and he will... Uh, uh, Dimble will take the reins as Dugal and Raquel head to the back of the cart, whereas the human halfling 
make their way uh, out and around. Uh, the halfling seems to take to hanging off of the cart for ease of travel, where the human tends to keep pace with the horse, which cannot move at full speed with such a cart. How does one uh, gather such a diverse troop? I've I've hardly seen uh, a human wade these close this close to the walls, and I, I can't even recognize some of. Then he just kind of like nods at the halflings. Like, I, I don't even recognize some of what you've brought with you or yourself. Um, me? I'm a gnome. I guess you really haven't seen the world, have you? Uh, this is Rose. Uh, she's a halfling. Uh, I assume you know what a human is, given your comment, but this is Dorka. And Dorka kind of just nods at you. Dorka and Rose. So, uh, do you lot see the, the world the same way as, as Dimble? The traveling and constructing and stabbing the unliving? It's a fine way of life. Uh, Rose will chuckle. <laughs> um, I, I don't think we find stabbing the undead is that enjoyable, but it pays well. So this is all for money? No sense of community? No. It's not all for money. The money is good. We need it to keep going to survive, but we took this job because there were people that needed help. And what will you do uh, once this is sorted out? I, I can guess what your fate would be should these creatures eat you, but uh, should you return with these kids, what do you do then? Uh, we take them back to our pa their parents. Uh, we get our payment, which should tide us over for a while while we look for more work. I think Dorka here is going to take some time off. Yeah. And how do you occupy yourself once uh, you've received the funds to tide you over? It seems so senseless. I mean, I like to hang out at cafes personally, but everybody's got the things they like. Uh, at which point Dimble pipes up again and he's like, <laughs> well, yes, uh, very much. I like going to the harbor and... Uh, Wondering what it's like to sail over those open waters in a ship. To, to travel just for the sake of it? This all seems so senseless. Uh, and the Leishal Enclave, we, we all have our, our roles and our places and tasks that need doing. We support each other and uh, build the community with the sweat of our brows. <laughs> Sound like an Abadarian. <laughs> that sounds so foolish I, I fletch for the hunters I grow crops for our worksmen and I train with the green tenders so I can help keep everything in place and continue us to flourish but but you, you just you. does it make you happy though? I don't have the same sense of avarice happiness it's, it's what makes me happy is making sure that the enclave continues to grow and he's obviously like 
not shown any sense of happiness since he's first laid eyes on the group and he doesn't seem like particularly mad it's just more like the the gears in his head are, are skipping a beat every look, time look. like new information's introduced all right look uh leaf kid uh you don't seem very happy granted that might be our fault right now but I haven't seen you smile once. Not while you were talking about your people. Not while you were talking about all the things you do. Are you sure you're not just content? What more could you ask for than contentment? I, I serve the needs of my people, and they in turn serve mine. Well, that's one way to live. And there are people that do that. Not everybody's the same, though. Of course not. We have craftsmen and farmers and warriors. They all have their roles to play. Well, Leaf, as hard as it might be to hear, I've got a story for you. We were traveling through these woods. True, we were armed ultimately to fight some undead monstrosities that shouldn't exist in the first place. But sensibly you know as you pointed out why do we need to be armed while traveling through the woods because leaf people wander into these woods and they never come back out i would imagine given what you've told us they meet your people whether they're good bad lost or just traveling they come in they don't come back out are your people good this is the way things have been since the beginning. We've had to defend ourselves from armed men and women like you. When was the last time somebody attacked you? Nobody knows about your enclave, Le Shawl or whatever it was called. People think these woods are haunted. Or that some horrible monster lives here. No, that that's, that's obviously some... A story made up by the elders to keep intruders away. Maybe. Maybe not. His, like, brow is knitted and the gears are a-cranking. I've known a lot of elves in my life. I'm about 150. I've known a lot of elves. Young, old, most of them are a little stuffy, but not nearly so worried about the outside world. Hell, they are the outside world. And what makes them different? They live with everybody else, just like we do. I don't know what your people learn or why your people fear, but all I can tell you is that it's not normal. just like tries to make eye contact with box and some kind of like you know back me up here man and gets nothing box no this this goes against everything no everything you've ever been told right here and he'll flip to a point in his book and he'll 
kind of mark it and toss it to you. And give that a read. It'll probably take you about 20, 30 minutes, assuming you have an average reading speed. But it should pass the time. I think we've got our direction for the most part. Yeah, so he'll he'll kind of like stalk an extra 10 feet or so, huffing slightly, and uh, march and read. So the tail at first does not seem to hold any significance or sense as to why he would make you read it. In fact, partway through, you start to think that maybe he made you start reading this just to make you shut up. But near the end, the primary character in the story, much like you, uh, though you from an enclave and they from their family, finally met somebody from the outside. Somebody they were told would hurt them, would want to kill them, would do all these terrible things. Yet, it wasn't so. The tale continues on for another 10 or 12 pages, detailing the broad strokes of this person's life after that. They learned that their family were controlling. They weren't necessarily good or bad, but they weren't exactly right either. They found that there are bad people. There are good people. They experienced pain and suffering at the hands of others, uh, but they also experienced joy and elation and friendship and another sense of community and such an expansive discovery of what they could not have known before and it starts to kind of click as to why he wanted you to read this one whatever you take away from it hmm. when he sees you finishing up the last couple of pages uh, he'll wait for you to kind of trail near the end uh, and be like, it's not all black and white. It reminds me, uh, the, the story reminds me of the tales they sing about uh, during the community gatherings about uh, the the first of the, I guess, what what would the word be? The like equivalent of like men, the first of men, but for elves. I know like in, in like Elder Scrolls, it's like myrrh. But I, I guess, I guess, for the just the sake of like keeping the conversation rolling, he's like the as the the first of the the elven men uh, trailed out into the woods and uh, began taming the wilds. How uh, they they managed to domesticate the first of the wolves and uh, found that even predators can be companions. But that's that's different. Wolves are dangerous because they rely on instinct and and they don't have greed uh, men are unpredictable and so are elves it, yeah it's just, it's just hands me he's like but it's a fine book it is it's a book of stories 
tales, and what have you. There are heroes in here. There are villains. And there are monsters. Do you see yourself as a hero? I'd like to think. I don't think I quite <laughs> make it up to snuff, personally. But we try and do what we can. And if we get paid along the way, that sure as hell helps. And the others, they're, they're heroes too? In, including the the brusque one with the bad breath? Uh, his name is Degal. He's a half-orc, which I imagine you haven't seen either. The other one is his sister, Raquel. And yes, they've been with me longer than Rose, and they've been with me longer than Dorka. No offense, you two. <laughs> but, uh, they do good. People treat them poorly because of how they look. <sighs> you see, out there, there are other people like you. Maybe not to the extreme of everyone is a monster. But a lot of people believe that half-orcs are brutish and dumb. It's not true, by the way. They're good people. I don't even... This... It's true that, that your group um, may be the exception, but... There, there's no way that the risk of uh, being exposed to, to all of these, these corrupt, evil, and, and villainous, just like these people in your book, are, are worth it. Well, I can't speak for you. I would say it is. And sometimes, maybe, if you fancy yourself a hero, you meet those corrupts and dangerous and bad people, the villains, and you stop them. Or sometimes you work. And you work and you have a dream, something simple or not, something that makes you happy, and you work towards it. What is it that you're working towards? Personally, I'm going to get me a boat. I'm going to sail every sea the world has to offer. I'm going to see every shore. I'm going to see the sun set over the horizon, and I'm going to see the moon rise. I'm going to go to the lands of night. I'm going to go to the frigid north and the sweltering deserts of Helios. I'm going to see the world. Every last bit of it. And I'm going to do it as much as I can on the open sea. And hunting monsters and helping people is how you see yourself doing this? Well, if there's one thing I can say pays well, it's monster hunting. Dangerous work has greater rewards. And everyone here, they, they also... Want boats? <laughs> no! No! <laughs> I said that earlier. No! Everybody here has their own reasons. People don't have to all work towards a common goal to work together. How did you get started doing this? <clears throat> Honestly... It was decades ago. Uh, 
I was doing odd jobs, lifting this, taking this there, put that together, fix this, you know, work a tavern now and again. But, you know, I, I made a pittance. I got by. And then one night, some guy was like, hey, fuck it, I've got a problem in my basement. I got these big ass bugs. And frankly, they frighten me and are dangerous. So I was like, yeah, it's just a bug, you know, what the fuck ever. It's just a bug. I'll squish it. Well, I went down there and, well, the bug almost squished me. But I came back out. Uh, <laughs> limbs intact, I assure you. And, well, I, I went and I found, <laughs> uh, it was a, it was a frying pan of all things, uh, almost as big as me. And I jumped down that stairwell and thumped that thing so hard that its guts hit the wall. I got a good five gold for that. Not much, doesn't seem like much now, honestly, but uh, that was my first real taste of making good money. It took me 10 minutes to make five gold. Something that would have taken me months beforehand. And that's what inspired you to start collecting this piecemeal croup? Uh, no, that kind of just happened. Uh, I've had a lot of friends over the years. They come, they go. Some of them get hurt, some of them die. But friends are a good thing to have. And through that friendship, circumstance, and sometimes chance that we all come together and opportunity finds us. I didn't look to put together a, a company, but, I mean, here we are. Oh, uh, I guess I haven't said... Uh, we're called the Partesians. What does that even mean? Is, is that your hometown? <laughs> uh, no. Honestly, I like the word partisans, but I didn't want to say partisans because it has other connotations. So I just changed it a little bit, and it sounds cool. <laughs> sounds cool. Yeah, don't you, don't, haven't you ever done anything just because it was cool? Cool? Um, maybe not. But I I have... Uh, and he just kind of like looks up at, at Box for a second. So that's actually how, uh, how I met my friend, Box. How's that? Squishing a giant bug? Uh, no, obviously no. with a smirk on his face, not being serious. Like, so he he obviously doesn't catch the, the joke at all. Uh, he takes the statement at face value. He says, no, no, nothing violent or, or, or brutish like that. Uh, it's, it's strange thinking back, but uh, growing up, getting trained for the the green tenders it takes up so much of your time you don't 
have time for your yourself to to pursue interests or uh, even really relax so during my meditation times uh there there was a tree uh near the rear of our courtyard and up where the bows of of the the trees split there was a, a, a divot that had collected moss and water and that the ants and the beetles like to gather there and drink. And I, I, I've been practicing my, my carpentry for quite some time. And uh, I, I would sit and I would meditate and I, I would whittle trinkets and decorations for this little spot uh, to, to give these simple creatures. Uh, <laughs> can't say I, I entertain them, but uh, make that that spot uh, more more interesting. Uh, things to climb on and uh, interesting things to look at. And I, as as time goes on, it it got more elaborate, and I started spending more time out there meditating. And my my skill with the the carving knife, and it just kind of like slaps the little tool belt around his waist kind of hear the jingle of the knives and uh, clamps and stuff and he says uh, I got more skilled at carpentry and uh, I, I started to advance in my, in my studies of uh, the way of the green and it, it, it seemed as, as I got deeper and deeper into this that uh, you started to see patterns and how the, how the moss would collect and the movements of the creatures until one day, it, it it was almost as if lightning had struck the tree. The bark began to split, but there was no storm. Uh, but one of the bows wound up tearing itself free. Uh, it brought to life by the the collection of spirits that we that had been gathering to observe my my little pastime. Uh, and, and there you have it. Uh, animate will of nature, uh, all collected in a single body. Uh, most of the time, they're, they're too simple, uh, too dispersed to, to have any kind of uh, thought. But it, it, it seems that, that my fascination and uh, my fondness for this particular spot, my meditations, my connections with nature, uh, all amalgamated into this. And uh, just kind of pats his tree man firmly on the back. You see, like, the, the leaves rattle and some dew jiggles off of him. He's, he's been with me uh, ever since. It sounds like you're good friends. The best. Of course, uh, it's it's not like he, he uh, had much of a choice in the matter. I'm pretty much the only person he knows. You don't just have those running around everywhere? No. Uh, I, I can say that I'm, I'm a bit of an anomaly. Uh, it, it seems that uh, you can't exactly force these spirits to collect... Uh, it requires a certain kind of relationship 
with uh, the wood, one might say. I have a question. When you first ran out to us, you called our cart split wood and acted like that was a terrible thing, but you carve wood. It's the difference between uh, plucking an apple from a tree and collecting it after it's fallen to the ground. We're, we're not chopping trees. We're collecting what they discard and putting them to use. And for what needs uh, more material, we work with the trees and we mold them and we live in harmony. I suppose elves have time for that. I think most of us gnomes would have too short an attention span to grow a tree into what we want. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. I mean, how many trees does an elf manage in their lifetime, though? A dozen? Two? Your, your basic scout is, is just responsible... Uh, for maintaining the the tree of his namesake but uh, the green tenders uh, they could be responsible for whole groves whole whole sections of the forest as as their skill increases and their ability to commune with nature uh, grows more robust uh, that's that's actually uh, what I hope to be one day perhaps an arch druid oh so you are a druid I thought it sounded kind of like their thing. Uh, we don't have a lot of those in Solaria, but they watch over the nature reserves. Yes, I, I suppose that's what those speaking the common tongue would, would refer to it as. Uh, but our Archdruid is, is a position of uh, influence, uh, not just a simple title to be thrown around more import within the walls of the Enclave than simply a, a role. Well, I hope you get that someday. I hope you maybe remember that not everybody outside is a monster. Yeah. Duh. And he's just kind of like the, the, the fatigue's getting to him. And, uh... Hey, hey you, you look tired. Why don't you rest in the cart? No, I, I can't. Uh, but I, I probably shouldn't stick with this group any longer. Just uh, continue heading in this direction. And, uh... You should... You should see the, the spires of your destination uh, come another day's travel. Uh, but before I go, can I see your, uh, your book one more time? Uh, yeah, here. I'll hand and it to you. He, he just kind of opens it, and, uh, he, he flips towards at the back, I guess, or he, he flips through it until he finds, like, a blank page, something that hasn't been written on. Okay. And he'll tear it out and uh, toss the book back to Dimble and hey. uh, 
start start running off. Hey, are you sure you're gonna be okay? Uh, Enclave or not, they do say that there's monsters around here. Uh, basically can't can't stomach an answer at this point. He's fatigued. Uh, his head spinning, and uh, this this little little souvenir that he's taken from the book. This this strange uh, piece piece of interest is coming back home with him. Uh, so he'll he'll like, you know, fold it into quarters and uh, tuck it away in a pouch. Uh, I assume like Box comes lumbering after him once he realizes what's going on. All right, uh, go ahead and give me a. Uh, go ahead and give me a fortitude save. Minus one, I think. That's a uh, twenty-one. All right. So you manage to keep on going, uh, pushing yourself to stay awake. Uh, you're trudging through the woods, tired as all hell. You know which way you're going, but at the same time, you're kind of, after you stopped running, uh, because you were fairly sure you weren't being followed, uh, kind of just weaving between trees, making your, making your way. The paths of the forest, not taking any great toll on your travel. Go ahead and make me a perception. Perception. All right. Uh, so that's a 12. All right. So you would be wandering through the woods when you would hear uh, rushing footsteps. Uh, and then at that point, uh, you see three hunters uh, rush out of the bushes at you. Green Thunder, Gold Thrush. I'm fine, I'm fine. You look weary. I may have been traveling just as long as you have to get out here. Uh, but I, I've managed to, to drive off the outsiders. They shouldn't be returning. That's all right. Uh, we're here to take you home. Uh, go ahead and make me another perception. That's a 12. Uh, I guess that's a 10 with the minus 2. <clears throat> Okay, so let's go. Uh, I can. Uh, would you like to rest here? I can stand guard over you. You look very tired. Uh, about how far out are we from the enclave? How much more travel, I guess. You you're like a day away, almost. Okay, then. Like like you you traveled probably almost a full day without sleep and then and then turn back so you're probably only about an hour back towards the keep or back towards your uh 
enclave. Gotcha. Then uh, that's that's what uh, he'll do. He says, "Yeah, I'm actually quite weary. Uh, if if we could break here, uh, I suppose return in the morning." All right, get some rests, Green Tender. And then he does. You would wake some hours later. Not feeling perfectly rested, but certainly better than you were before your rest. Looking around, however, you notice that only the hunter that spoke with you is present. Oh no, that's bad. <laughs> Where are the others? They've continued on. I'm, I'm sure I can get you back to the Enclave without their help. C continued on chasing the outsiders? You can tell the, this hunter, whose name you can't quite recall at the moment, is showing some reservation. Yes, uh, I, we have orders to retrieve you and to kill the outsiders. There's no need. They've been driven off. They're they're going to go die in those ruins. Our orders weren't to drive them off. They were to kill them. Then I, I, I take it the orders come from my father? At first they were, but then they fled, and so we returned, and you are missing. The orders changed. Even if we have to leave the woods, they die. But you're safe now. Okay, we need to get back to the Enclave as soon as possible. Of course. You know the way as well. And uh, he will help you move along quickly. And so we shall. And about ten hours later, you return to the Enclave. Weary, but... Uh, but, you know, it's it's been a long day, but you're there. All right. Um, he's he's going to want to see, uh, try and plead the case to his father. There's there's no reason to send these warriors out here. I, I managed to drive them away before they were able to do any harm. This was my decision. Your decision. Your decision. You left. After I told you to go back home, you snuck away, and you went with them. You could have died, son. I did this with, with the, the lives of our scouts, of our soldiers in mind. I didn't want elven blood spilling. The, so you the... risk your own. Our hunters know what risks await them. They are happy to fulfill those risks. But I've returned intact. Yes. Good fortunes on that. But I'm going to be keeping an eye on you. I don't know what's gotten into you, but I don't like it. <sighs> Worse yet, my worries that they poison your mind or your body. I accepted no food. I accepted no drink. Yet what my did you do while you traveled with them? A whole day. Did you travel in silence? Or did you let them... Tell their lies to help poison your mind. I, I told them to never return here. That this this is 
uh, Enclave's territory, uh, that outsiders aren't welcome, and that they should pass the news to whomever may be foolish enough to, to consider venturing these lands. Uh, All the better than that they die. The less people that know we're here means the less people likely to come and take what we have, take us, and change our ways. At this point, he's swelling up. He's he's becoming very irate. And he's kind of... You've never quite seen him this angry. You're... Uh, not at you, anyway. Uh, the only level anywhere near this is when somebody has left the enclave and been caught or worse yet has returned months or years later with a halfkin in tow uh and box steps between you and your your father shouts at you get your damn trent out of my face and I, I, he just starts tugging on Box's arm in, in the usual manner that he would to try and, like, drag him off somewhere, but trying to, like, squeeze himself in between the two, like, you know, back up and push him away. You, you, pull, you pull Box away, trying to get in between him, but uh, Box, uh, when, when you push back in front of him, Box just kind of, like, thrusts forward with his body and kind of like instead of like interposing himself again kind of just shoves you to the side uh he's like box she's like no no friend no this is we we this is not a fight to be fought and just kind of like turns around and actually faces him and starts dragging his feet along the ground just trying to get some distance in between the two that tree is staying outside of our home today until it cools down. Get it out of here. Yeah, still still struggling to, to drag him about. He's going to go well, like... Once you put some distance uh, between you and your father, Box will begin uh, more eagerly following you as opposed to fighting against it. Yeah, then... Um... I, I guess the the courtyard where they would have initially like met where he, Box was initially born would probably be towards like the edge of the property that they've got, and so I, I guess he would take him, you know, out that way, and uh, just basically try and keep his distance from his his family and his father, and uh, you know, think about things uh, that have transpired in the last uh, day says uh you know, box there's there's no way that we can let those scouts reach the partisans this they haven't harmed anyone and it it seems father and and the enclave are too eager for bloodshed i'm not eager to have these folks return and disturb our way of life but this is excessive. Box. And he kind of just like gives you like the, the, the box hug and is just like 
kind of squeezing you from your sides with his hands. Box. But to to disobey Heldale at this point, it would be tantamount to suicide. Uh, we're we're already bordering on exile just with our silly actions, and then to to try and intercept or interrupt a a, a hunt for outsiders. What should we do? Box, unknowing of what you're even speaking of, just continues to try in his simple way to comfort you. Your dialogue that's really more of a monologue has highlighted quite a bit. You're his son. And still you dance with death over something that shouldn't be. So, uh, he, he kind of takes, you know, just one of the, the random little pieces of, of wood that uh, he, he carves as his own little personal meditative hobby. And he's going to carve the equivalent of a toothpick uh you know just just little little spike of of wood uh and he goes back over to uh the the tree that gave birth to box and he finds his his little alcove with his little pool of water and all of these uh you know uh old uh maybe even some are partially rotted trinkets and whatnot that he's collected over the years and all of the bugs and their activities and uh he says uh okay We'll decide it this way. Uh, point back towards my father if I should stay, or point towards the walls if uh, I should do what's in, in my heart. And uh, you just kind of cast it up like you would, uh, you know, like if you were if you were throwing like rose petals or something, just a little underhanded flick of the wrist and uh, cast this, this tiny shard of wood into the, the little pool of reflection he's got there. He would see something that is wondrous to uh, to him, to his understanding of nature. As you cast it in, uh, it will bevel and tip and spin for a moment. And then the many ants that roam this knot hole begin to build a bridge across the water. Across this bridge crawls one of the many bark-gathering beetles. It grabs the toothpick and it pulls it out of the water. It goes to stand at the mouth of the knot hole and it does not point back towards your home sets his jaw and uh he starts walking back towards his home and uh so it, it, i'm assuming is, is his father still there or no his father's still there okay uh 
And he, he just says, uh, Father, I, I understand that I've, I've been a grave disappointment. Uh, I'll do my best to stay out of sight and out of mind, uh, preparing food for the family tonight. Uh, hopefully this should help balm my transgressions. And, uh, my meditations have shown me the error of my ways. And uh, he, he just kind of goes off to the other side of the home and... Leave. Uh, yes. As, as you're leaving, he, he calls out to you. Son. I want you to know that you're lucky. And yes. you do see... Uh, a strong weight in his eyes. Something that, as he looks at you, seems to harrow his mind. He seems sorrowful, almost. At the time, it seemed like the right thing to do for the betterment of the Enclave. But I, I see your way of things, and I understand. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry too, Leif. I would not have been so irate with you, were I not so worried. A day, I thought you were dead. Of course. Let me not trouble you with my presence. He, he nods. And uh, he'll, you know, go about setting things out. And uh, he'll stop at his his personal quarters uh, as, as if he was, like, on his way to the garden or whatever to collect whatever ingredients. You know, lemongrass soup, I suppose, uh, as, as a family classic. Um but he'll he'll stop at his personal quarters and uh basically collect whatever practical possessions that he's got, you know, uh, his ba basic like crafting tools to complete whatever he's got going on. Uh maybe like some rations or whatever that he had while he he'd be out chaining with the rest of the green tenders. And then uh he'll take uh, I'm assuming they've they've got some means of writing, like on the vellum or whatever. I'm not sure if it would be like uh, the quill or just like charcoal or or what have you. But he'll he'll take their equivalent of a writing utensil, and he's he's gonna reach into his uh, his tool belt, and he's gonna unfold that piece of paper, and he's gonna write on it, and it's gonna say leaf, and then probably taking up half the page it's going to say was and then again in regular size print at the bottom it's going to say here and uh he's just going to kind of leave the unfolded paper on his bed and uh make his way the rest of the way out to the garden uh and then off into the backyard to collect box uh or off off into the the courtyard to to collect box and uh 
He's, uh, says the green is spoken. Uh, here we go. <laughs> and, uh, they, he's going to try and stealth the hardest he's ever stealthed in his life. All right. Go ahead and roll. Booyah. It's a 19. So you stealth, you make it almost to the gates. When one of your mentors steps through, uh, you see them, though they do not notice you, you understand that they are more in tune with their surroundings than others. And they seem to be conversating with those at the gate. It would be dangerous to cross the wall with their presence so close. Would I know of any other uh, relatively subtle means of extricating myself from the enclave, from the compound? You know that some of the green tenders can turn into birds and fly, but you haven't developed that ability. Okay. Uh, so, but it, it seems like there, there's, there's the gate, and I know I had climbed over the wall previously, uh, but I'm assuming the area that I had used to climb over, where it was like convenient, isn't really accessible due to them being there? Uh, the, the worry is less that the wall... Uh, would be seen or accessible uh, and is more the worry that this uh, this higher green tender uh, would know of your passing because the wall would tell her. I see. A distraction might be in order. Okay. So I, he's basically like handing his pack over to uh to box uh and then he's he's taking basically like his his little little like sharpening stone his little whetstone and one of his carving knives and uh he's basically going to flank around uh further into the compound and uh, there there's got to be like a stable or or something uh where they'd be keeping there, there's a goat stall. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go to the goat stall and uh, basically try and scrape the blade on the, the wet stone and see if he can start uh, a spark going in like the loose, like dry grass that they're feeding these things. And, uh, you know, bundle that up into a pile and huck that into the larger, you know, stock that they've got there. And then uh, he's going to open the gate and you know, once it gets to the point where it's noticeable, I guess the goats can escape because he doesn't want to hurt any goats. Uh, and he'll creep back out along through the, the rear of uh, this facility and try and sneak back over to where Box is. All right. So it takes you a little bit, the whetstone not being the prime material for such a thing, but doable. You go back and you wait in a hidden corner the goats begin to panic and run out as uh, those near the gate take notice and uh, begin shouting uh, about the fire. 
quickly running over to the stall and through means magical and mundane begin to fight the flame. You have little time before they can quell it. Okay. Um, then I, I, I'm assuming that whole commotion's pretty loud. Yeah. Then uh, I, I don't know if there's any like loose construction or like you know fencing or or whatever from in in my immediate vicinity but i'm he's gonna try and uh do whatever he can at hand uh whether it's like you know a, a sapling that gets snapped over or whatever but he's gonna get box involved and see if there's like something he can lean against the wall to help him scrabble up a little faster the equivalent of like a makeshift ladder or I don't know if that's an option. If not, then they'll he'll just do the usual boost and help haul box up. You would actually be able to find a uh, a ladder of sorts. Um, it's made of vines, but with box's help, you can easily rip it from its anchoring and toss it over the wall, giving you decent hand and footholds. All right, then uh, we'll we'll scrabble up that and. Uh make for the border you go over the wall and after running for a moment it seems as though no one has followed you so i'm i'm assuming that i i know the immediate vicinity pretty well and yeah. uh so i'm i'm basically making a beeline for the point where i imagine i would have broken away from the Partisans the uh, day prior. All right. It takes you and some then, time, but you get there. Okay. Uh, and then he, he's basically going to see if he can track uh, them for the remainder of that and see if he can rendezvous with them uh, wherever they've managed to travel. You continue on exiting the woodlands. A bit further on, you can see this ruined village. There's a lot of fog that has rolled off the mountains. And while you can see the village, you can't see it clearly, nor its contents. As you continue forward, do you venture into the fog? The tracks lead that way. If that's where the trail leads, then, because uh, his his whole thing is, you know, can't can't let these guys uh, get hurt as a side effect of his actions. So, uh, and he goes, just kind of gives Box a quick nod before puffing off his chest and uh, venturing in. You make your way in. You probably wander for a few minutes following the tracks till you come across a body laying in the dirt. Does it look like one of the Partisians that I saw? Or is it Elven? Or does it look like a crusty, uh, vagrant child that's been eaten by an undead? As you approach... Uh... You look, and it looks more and more like an elf. But at the same time, something is not right. Okay. Uh, 
I'll, I'll investigate further, if if only to to give him like a proper elven cultural send off. You know, the, the equivalent of passing the hand to close the eyes and you know putting them in a respectable position. You approach and unlearned of the world at this point you don't notice the signs you lean down go about uh positioning them when the necrotic bluish gray flesh springs to some semblance of life grabbing you with a strength that you have not felt before. You're pinned onto your back as this elf whom you once knew, their face is contorted and drawn, their teeth broken and sharp. Eyes bloody and black. It's about to bite into you when there's a sickening as an axe cleaves into the back of the ghoul's head, causing it to drop to the ground beside you. As a part of that like whole exchange, I think once he, he kind of realized that this, this thing was still kicking and it wasn't the person that it was before, he kind of starts trying to pull away somewhat and he goes, no, box! And then the oh. axe lands. Box rushes forward uh, as the ghoul lands on the ground. Its body becomes smashed by the double-fisted pound of Box. Unknowing of its demise, whether it be full or not, Box continues to pummel this corpse. Dugal removes his axe from the back of the ghoul's head. So you came back. Hey, like, come on, knife here. Stand up before another one gets you. To Gaul, that that was a that was a scout. Uh, did anyone get hurt? Yeah, them. Deep breath, and then they, he grabs you by the arm him. and yanks you to your feet. Okay, I'll I'll follow him. Got bigger problems to worry about than your little hunters. Come on. So he he runs with a hustle, uh, uh, a street away, and you find the cart. Everyone's huddled around it, weapons at the ready. Get in the cart before you get yourself hurt. And he like pushes you towards it. He's just kind of rolling over. He says, uh, "Is is everyone okay?" And as he's climbing into the back of the cart, and, uh, as you climb into the back of the cart, you see. Uh, Rose, the halfling woman, lying there. Uh, uh, Dorka crouched over her, placing pressure on a wound. Uh, he keeps muttering to her to hold on, but you can tell from her drained complexion and the blood that is no longer flowing from her that she's not she's not alive anymore. Uh, 
I, I mean, like, e even still, uh, his, his little grain tender training includes uh, some, at the very least, basic medic stuff, plus, uh, you know, everything going on in the magic department. So uh, he's, he's kind of stunned, but he at least sees a way forward now. So uh, he, he kind of, like, reaches down and just just runs to make sure like she's a hundred percent down because if, if he can help then he's going to right. you test her pulse and it's too late but you notice something more disturbing from the many bites on her flesh her skin is starting to take on a gray and blue palette and I, I feel like even from that brief exposure earlier, uh, would, would I be making the connection there? Yes. Her blood should not be flowing. This color should not be spreading, yet it is. The, her, I, and I, I, I kind of like clutch, uh, what is it, Dorka's hand, and uh, I, I say, she's gone. The blood shouldn't be flowing. There's something wrong here. No, you don't know what you're talking about, I guess. Hey, like, Push, pushes you off. Come on, no! Uh, at this point, uh, the sounds of scuffling uh, and combat begin outside. The screeches of feral ghouls and angry, hungry undead begin. You can hear the voice of Dimble. It begins to tell a tale of a hero pirate who once roamed the seas, punishing those who would bear ill will and death upon those on the seas, and stealing from them and sending them to their own watery graves. He tells this tale upon which every enemy, every dark soul that rested upon the seas was put away by this powerful hero. And you hear uh, a ringing and the sounds of claws, gnashing teeth, and weapons just fills your ears outside the cart. Uh, so he, he, he just kind of like barks over his shoulder. He goes, you know, um, you know, box guard. And then uh, he'll he'll go back to the person. And the, the discoloration's obviously spreading from the bite wounds, right? Yes. So, he says, I, I, I think uh, the, the curse of undeath has something to do with these bite wounds. It's spreading. This is going to be a danger if you don't let go. She's not going to die. Get the fuck off me. He's obviously in shock and not taking it well. Uh, so, at this point in the the green tender I, I i'm assuming i don't really have much exposure to like undead and stuff like that so i wouldn't be able to make that connection that like healing magic can hurt undead um you you would possibly know go ahead and just roll me a d20 sure uh i'd say you're probably aware that like you're you're taught that curative magic is like the life of the world and that 
undead or unnatural, unliving things. It, it's vague, but I think you could put two and two together. Okay, so, uh, then, what's what's a what's a good way to put this? Um, he'll he'll mutter the incantation, you know, just Azareth, Metrion, Synthos, and then he'll kind of hold up his uh his his hand with the the charge of the heal spell on it and what you would see out of like you know old school like romanesque uh painting of of like a messiah or something with the the little crackle of magic on his hands and then he he's got his other free hand uh just kind of like reaching out to to the the body of this this poor uh passed on partesian and he's just kind of like feeling for any kind of movement and then he's gonna say his blessing and try and tag her in the forehead spirits of the green bless this child and send her to her final rest when you do that uh the the light flows through her and though her flesh does not again grow warm the pallor of undeath ceases its spread. So, uh, this is all I can do for. The others need you. With tears in his eyes, Dorka, Dorka nods and quickly shoves himself away from you. Uh, you can hear his screams of anger and agony. Uh, as he joins the fight. Box insusceptible to the disease and undeath that these creatures bear defends you fiercely in the cart. And several minutes pass as this battle goes on. By the end of it, everyone is weary, but the ghouls are dead. And for the most part, the Partisians live. Dorka now lays beside Rose. He too was lost in his fury and his fervor. He fell into a swarm of the beasts. I'm so sorry. The the ambush from the scouts, they I I tried to go back and have it called off. You might have been more prepared if you weren't distracted. This is my fault. Dugal, of all people, you expected Dimble to say something, but it's Dugal who walks up, puts his hand on your shoulder. He doesn't say anything, nor does Dimble, nor does Raquel. It's silent for many more minutes. But there's something about this hand on your shoulder. The way its weight clutches onto you. And you just feel this sort of acceptance. A sort of shared pain. He walks away then and begins to shovel through bodies. 
looking for smaller among the lot, discarding halflings and gnomes and eventually emerging with three young human corpses. Do you have anyone here that can bless them? They're already dead twice. They won't come back. And as you look at them, they too have the strange metamorphosis that this particular kind of undeath has wrought. Their teeth long broken, their hair clumped and falling out. Their claws, or their fingernails extended into claws, their skin an unnatural tone. Wounds beget their bodies, axe marks, arrows, stab wounds. You feel before the Partisians ever arrived, these children were lost. I'm sorry what I said before. About coming out here to find these children. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for the harm that my people did. I'm, I'm sorry that they had to die. And I'm sorry for all the people that lived here. I'm sorry for the children, and I'm sorry for their families. No one should have to go through this. Finally, Dimble speaks up. You're right. But... You shouldn't be sorry. It's not your fault. What happened here is terrible. How do you do it, knowing that a, a day could end like this? Because every day can end like this. Whether you're sitting safe at home, or wandering out to the furthest reaches of the world, hunting something. Helping people. <sighs> Every day can end like this. But fewer of them do, if we can help it. And there are good days? There are good days. And there are bad days. That's just life. Well, I came back out into these woods to find you and to right a wrong, to, to dissuade these scouts that were coming to hunt you. And I was, I was too late for that. But I've already gone too far and there's no going back from where I'm at. So if you'll have me, I think I should help you right some of these wrongs and try and fight for more good days stays like this should not happen you're right and yeah we'll have you leaf of half skull thrush and I guess he uh, 
does his his best approximation of a handshake. Forearm clasp. And Dimble, Dimble's capable. Albeit tiny. Yes, albeit tiny. <laughs> hey, he. That's probably one of the biggest things to you is you can't get over how close to child sized he is. It's just like he's he's got massive ape like arms. <laughs> <laughs> Between his legs. Uh, oh god. <laughs> um, but. Uh. You would probably take notice of something sitting down on the far side away from everybody else of the cart. There's something and or someone you never saw before. Just curious and, and a little little confused so you, you can kind of see him like I, I, I'm assuming they, they've been at it for a, a few minutes like helping uh, clear and organize corpses and you know uh, trying to get everybody back from, from shambles and he's, he's doing his best he doesn't really know exactly what to do but he's doing trying to do his part and so he's, he's like a little disheveled and he, he tucks his hair back and then he kind of like leans forward and he squints trying to figure out what, what is this and uh, it'll just kind of like creep up. He's got like his little little carving knife, just in case it's an undead. Uh, it doesn't appear to be. When you lean around, you see something that you're aware cannot be a man, but very much resembles one. A glowing rune in front of its forehead. He's dressed in clothes unlike any you've ever seen. They're a little gaudy, even. But at his side is a scimitar drenched in the blood of the ghouls and gilded to the hilt. He appears very somber for the moment. You don't look like one of the Partisians. He'll look up at you. You'll notice a quality to his voice that is somewhat otherworldly. I don't suppose, but yet I am. Who are you? You can call me Kale. I'm Dimble's Eidolon. I'm not familiar. Is, is that like a bodyguard? You could say that. The tale he was telling during the battle. I am a manifestation of that. I I don't I don't understand. It's all right, son. It's to do with magics. Why weren't you riding with the rest of uh, the Partisians in the cart? Didn't need to. Him, uh, Dimble calls me when he needs me. I, I guess I would be like 
at least tenuously familiar with the concept with like summon nature's ally and stuff yeah uh, although it's been many minutes since the battle uh it's odd that he still remains i see do you also want a boat i mean if you want to get technical i have one but only in story. I'd say yes. I see. Uh, maybe one day I'll hear more of this story. Just ask Dimble. It's all in his book. You'll be okay over here by yourself? I, I will. I'm dowered by all this, but it's really Dimble who needs his time right now. Uh, then I suppose I should go see to that. And, uh, I guess... Go and go investigate what's going on with Dimble. So if if his uh, I, I dole on his his bodyguard uh, thinks that he needs his time, then I guess check up on him. Dimble is around the back of the cart, wrapping the bodies of Dorka and Rose. Uh, you come up behind him, and he can be heard sniffing. I'm I'm. Sorry for your loss. It's, uh, I don't have much experience with uh, death like this. It, it just doesn't happen. I suppose that's a benefit of where you come from. Yeah. They were good people. Which you notice that he doesn't turn to look at you, and his normally cheerful voice is obviously far lower in register and tone. They fought bravely and uh, it's, it's noble to, to die like this in the defense of your friends. I'm sure they would be glad to know that you made it out. There's something we can agree on, Mr. Elf. And then at the, the little silence there, he'll do his best approximation of the the reassuring hand that Dugal uh, gave him earlier. You do well enough. And Dimble pats your hand, still not quite turning to look at you. Uh, th Thanks, kid. Uh, I've got this. Nod and try and find a way to to be helpful elsewhere. Uh, Dugal is sitting beside the cart with his sister. They're leaned over on each other. And Raquel, very silently, is is crying. You can only really tell from the occasional sudden heave of her shoulders. Uh, Dugal has an arm around her and is obviously a far more stoic person among the group trying to comfort her. That honestly doesn't seem like something that Leaf should interrupt. Uh, so if, if everyone else is kind of occupied, uh, finding their own creature comforts. 
Uh, he'll just kind of take a second to, to sit with Box and, and breathe. You find a place to sit, take a deep breath, kind of process everything that ha that's happened. You look around and the cold air from the mountains has turned to wind and has begun to blow away the fog. And it is a sickening sight around the cart. No less than two dozen corpses lay hacked and strewn around it. Human, elf, gnome, halfling, dwarf, half-elf. All these people, they died together, lived together became monsters together and were slain together. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly of life all in one shot. That's a sad scene. It is a sad scene. It's uh, wonderfully narrated, I might add. Thank you. I think after this, Unless Leaf has anything in particular. The group kind of gathers what they need. Uh, Dugal and Raquel look around the town for any supplies. I think Leaf at this point may find some distaste in the effect of looting of this village, but they would basically like they're not going to use it and anything that can help us get back home I think uh, he'd probably be like occupying himself trying to dig shallow graves for as many of the people as he can manage just kind of really putting his back into it alright with Box's help that would actually be relatively easy if he's able to just kind of claw through the earth yeah. But yeah, he's, he's just being doing his best to, to be respectful uh, to the people just because the, the whole situation sucks. No need to make it worse with a disgraceful resting place. So you get the bodies buried. They get the town searched. And together you leave. Heading back into the woodlands but taking a wide berth around the enclave. With your help, they make it back to Solaria, a place beyond your wildest dreams and nightmares in a way. Buildings of stone, wood, crystal, and steel lift so far into the air that sometimes they dwarf even the trees of your forest. It's wonderment and awe. There are so many different people. And to your great surprise, it's not one in ten trying to stab you. In fact, for quite some time, I think, with your traveling with the uh, Partisians after that, you don't have great trouble with people. The occasional person who might take minor advantage of your good nature but nothing severe. 
in time, you really become a part of the group. You see people come and go. Some simply through matter of means. They've gotten all they need and leave. Some have the means to go like Dorka and Rose did. More and more over the next few months, you find that Dimble, Degal, and Raquel grow closer to you and you to them. There's also another shift, however, though on occasion there's something too good to pass up, they tend to stick ever more closely to odd jobs and safe pay. But that's not always the case. And I think what that's not a case of is for another story time. Amen. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. Before I get on with the normal credits, I'd like to say hi to and shout out Che Li and Peku Chow. They're a couple of awesome artists I've worked with in the past and think you should all check out. They are at C-Z-E-P-E-K-U and at P-E-K-U-C-H-O-W. Go check them out on Twitter and see their awesome maps and monster artwork. I'd like to thank our patrons, Brian Rafe, Brian Bridges, Tim Demuse, and Donald Bewley. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon, and thank you so much for helping us out. If you'd like to join the Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash eldritchdream. We have a bunch of rewards. You can get in secret rooms in our Discord. And depending on the tier, you can even listen to us record live. It covers Aeterna, it covers an Eldritch Dream Games, and it covers the Dustress podcast. We have rewards on all tiers for Aeterna and Dustress, so go check it out. Speaking of our Discord, we've got links to that in the description below. You can also find us on Twitter, at Eldritch Dream and at Aeterna P. Uh, we've got a sister podcast coming up that's at Dustress Podcast. So go ahead and check us out there as well. We also have a tea Public now. Check the description below for links to that. We have a bunch of different designs out right now, and we're only going to get more. If you'd like to support the show just a little bit, get yourself some merch. Show your support that way. Tell your friends. Give us a review on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Let us know what you think. Contact us in our Discord. Contact us on social media. Tell us what you think of our podcast, and let us know what you thought of this, the first of the Taraxis tales. And, as always, everybody, may the Elder Gods haunt your dreams.